God responds in accordance with our faith. So what are you believing God for today? What are you asking for him today? Because God responds in accordance with our faith. We are in the middle of a series entitled 2020 Vision. And, the, and, and our, our, our idea is this, is that when we can see clearly, when we can see clearly, what it does is it gives us perspective for all that life offers and for all that life brings. When we see God for who he really is, when we see ourselves for who we really are, and we see the world around us for what it really is, what, what will happen is this, is we will find that we are positioned for victory. We will find that God wants to bring blessing into our life, that he's a rewarder, and that we have the opportunity to be more than an overcomer. Last week, we talked about the fact that Daniel going to the lion's den was a focal point. It was a key component in the journey of God's people to allow Nehemiah to restore Jerusalem and to position God's people even for the coming of the Messiah. Now here's what I want you to know. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus made that statement. John 16, says, in this world, there will be trouble. Or in this world, some translations put it this way, there will be tribulation. See, we face difficulty, we face challenge because we live in this imperfect, we live in this sin-filled world. And because people have free will, one of, the big, one of the big arguments that people will give against there being a God, they'll say this, if God, is, if God is real and if God is powerful, why is there suffering in the world? If God is real, if God is powerful, why is there difficulty in the world? If God is real, if God is powerful, why is it that 16,000 children will die of starvation today around the world? And, and can, I, can I offer you? I believe that's a valid question to ask. If God is real, why is it that there's so much need in the world? Why is it that there's so much suffering in the world? But if we pause and look, here's what we'll discover. Number one is this. There is far more resource on this planet than we could ever use. In America today, we will throw away more food than we consume. Let me say that again. I want it to sink in. In America today, we will throw away more food than we consume. There is more than enough resource on this planet to feed every individual. The bulk of the disease that we deal with in our world today is the result of the activity of man. And what God has done is this, is God has said, I give you free will. You can choose whether to serve me or not serve me. You can choose whether or not to follow my plan, follow my directives for you or not. You can choose to live a life healthy or unhealthy. You can choose destiny or destruction. You can choose. And in that, each and every person in this room has free choice. Each and every person in this room, you have the ability to determine your own destiny. And yet, in the midst of all of that, what God does is God works all things together for our good. So even in the negative things that come, God works all things together for good. 
But the simple truth is this. We will face challenges. We will face difficulties in spite of walking in character, in spite of living a life dedicated to Christ. In fact, I find it fascinating. I love the timing of God. So this morning, I read in, 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 my, in my Bible reading, and, and I, I trust that you have joined us in reading through the Bible this year. And, uh, and I, I, have to, I have to tell you this. I made, I made an enormous mistake uh, as it relates to challenging the church to read through the Bible. Because here's what I did. I said, listen, we're going to read through the Bible. And... Uh, and in communicating that, there is this wonderful one-year Bible that you can get that, that is the typical reading plan, this kind of one-year Bible where it goes through from Genesis to Revelation. Then there's also the one-year chronological Bible. And I encouraged the staff that we were going to read through, we were going to do the one-year Bible. Then what I did is I sent a message to the pastors, okay, and, and some of our point leaders, and I, and I told them, I said, I want you to reach out to the people that are on your teams. I want you to reach out to the people that are, that are in your area of ministry and invite them to read the one-year chronological Bible with us. So leaders are encouraging people to read the one-year chronological Bible. We sell Bibles in the lobby. We sell the one-year Bible in the lobby, not the one-year chronological Bible. So I know this. I know that there are some of you uh, that haven't joined us. You can pick. There are some of you that have joined us and you're reading through the one-year Bible and there are some of you that are reading through the one-year chronological Bible. That's completely on me. And honestly, by the time I became aware of it, I said this. I said, rather than telling a portion of the congregation, you've got to switch. Listen, if you're reading the one-year chronological Bible, keep reading. If you're reading the one-year Bible that just goes from Genesis to Revelation, keep reading. Okay, and here's what I'm doing. To where I can read with you and to where we can have conversation, I'm reading both. Um, by the way, I don't encourage you to do that because it does get confusing. But here's what I find fascinating, okay? Knowing, um, knowing the message that God put on my heart to speak to you about this morning, to speak to how you navigate difficulty, how you navigate struggle, the reality of struggle in the world. The one-year chronological Bible this morning starts with the story of Job. Job. It says this, Job 1.1 says this, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. He was blameless, or some translations say perfect. He was perfect and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. So Job is this man that walks with character and integrity. As we look at Job, there's nothing about Job's life that would make us go, huh, I don't know about that guy. He, he lived this life to honor God. He did the right thing. And Job did the right thing all the time. Scripture said he was blameless. And yet, we all know the story of Job, don't we? Job, Job has his children all perish on the same day. He loses his wealth. He becomes very sick. Job gets so, his life gets so sideways that his wife looks at him and says, Job, why are you still holding on to your character? Why are you still holding on to your integrity? Job, you should just curse God and die. In the, in the one-year Bible this morning, it is the story of Joseph, this young man whose brothers beat him up, throw him into a pit, 
And this morning, it begins the story of him being sold into slavery in Egypt into the household of this man named Potiphar. Both Job and Joseph find themselves in challenging situations in a difficult scenario because they did nothing wrong. And I realized that this morning, that all across this auditorium, that all across Orlando, as people are watching via media, and, and, and not just across Orlando, across America and around the world, that there are so many of you that you find yourself today and you find yourself in a difficult situation. And, and for some, that difficult situation is a, is a result of the activity of your life. But for some, for many, that difficult situation is in spite of the activity in your life. You, you've lived with character. You've, you've lived with integrity. You, you, you strive to honor God and to please God. And yet you find yourself facing a challenging situation. You find yourself confronted by a nightmare. You, you, you're living in a moment where there seems to be a lot more questions than there are answers. And it'd be really easy in that moment to say, God where are you? And he has brought you here this morning, number one, to let you know that he is with you, that he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you. He's brought you here this morning to let you know that everything you need, everything you need, everything you need for life and godliness, he has already provided. And he's brought you here this morning to let you know that he understands the struggle. And that's the reason why he gives us in Ephesians chapter 6, this, this challenge to finally, or from now on, Ephesians chapter 6, where it says finally, that, that word could be translated as well, from now on, from this point forward, live with this understanding. And it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle, that word we, it is an inclusive pronoun. And what that means is this. It means that it includes all of us. So from now on, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. So what that tells us is this. It tells us, first of all, that this, this struggle that we all face in life, that this struggle is personal. Okay? It is a personal thing. It's not just a corporate struggle that we deal with. And, and make no mistake that we face corporate challenges as a church family. We'll face challenges. We'll face, face obstacles. We'll face hurdles. But this is an individualized thing. The struggles that come, they're going to be personal struggles. In this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have struggle. In this world, you will have difficulty. Those struggles are personal. They're also, they're substantial. This idea that we do not wrestle against, that, that word there, if you go back to, the, this portion of the Bible was originally written in, in, in Greek. And if you go back to the original Greek, the word that's there, it speaks to this one-on-one, this, -on -one, this, this an intensity of difficulty and an intensity of battle and a and a one-on-one -on -one battle for we do not wrestle we do not engage in this in this intense struggle this this personal struggle 
We don't, we don't engage in this against things that are seen, things that are normal. See, if the battle was against that which is seen, we at least could understand it. When the, when the battle is seen, it's very easy to assess the situation. Right? We've all, we've all seen it. We're watching a television show, we're watching a movie, and, and, and the good guy is outnumbered. And he looks and he says, okay, there's me and there's these 15 bad guys. I know it's unrealistic, but it's, it's Hollywood. And, and he begins to think through, okay, what's my strategy going to be? But we face this battle against these unseen forces. So it's not just a, it's not just a personal battle. It's also, it's a big battle. It's a substantial battle. And it's a supernatural battle. Let, 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 me, let me say this. It's part of the reason why I believe that you being here tonight at six o'clock is very important. It's important for you. It's important for your family because one of the big things that we want to do this evening is this, is we want to anoint you with oil. We want to anoint you with oil as a man of God, a woman of God. We want to anoint you with oil as a couple. We want to, we want to pray God's protection and God's power of your marriage. Number one, that he'll keep your marriage strong. And that he will defend your marriage. But not only that, that he'll use the strength of your marriage to fight against the attack that the enemy is bringing to, to, into the marriages of your loved ones, your family members, your friends, your children. We want to anoint families this evening and pray God's protection over your family. Pray God's power over your family. Number one, that God will keep you. And number two, that God will position you to be a mighty warrior in his army to bring about victory, not just in this building, but in the world around us. Because friends, it's not just a personal battle that we're dealing with, and it's not just a substantial battle we're dealing with, it's a supernatural battle. What does that look like? Well, there are a lot of things that the enemy does. And here's what we know. We know this, that he's active. In fact, in Job chapter 1, when, we, when we're introduced to the story of Job, God asks Satan what he's doing. And Satan goes, Satan makes a statement. He says, I'm roaming back and forth across the earth. And here's what Satan is doing. Satan, along with his legions, is constantly looking for opportunity. Looking for an inroad. Looking for an opportunity to get in. I saw a news report. Uh, this week uh, on, uh, on one of the local, one, one of the no local news channels. And it talked about this, this house that's rat infested. And the neighbors were livid. And uh, they had called the police. They had called city hall. They had call it, called code enforcement. And, and so the, the news channel uh, interviewed one of the exterminators that came out to deal with this rat problem. And, and the, the owner of the home just recently bought it, didn't realize that when he bought the house, he bought it to flip it. And he bought it not realizing that it's filled with rats. How, isn't that a lovely surprise? But uh, they, entered, they interviewed one of these inspectors. Some of you are sitting there going, why is our pastor talking about rats this morning? Trust me, I'll get there. And they interviewed one of, one of the exterminators, and he goes, the rats won't be gone today. 
And he said, here's the, here's the advice that I give to all of these neighbors and the advice I give to you. He said, first of all, look at the exterior of your home and look at all of the cracks and all the crevices that you have. And he said, you need to, you need to close any hole that's bigger than a quarter. Because any hole on your house that's bigger than a quarter is big enough for a rat to get in. Now, any hole that's bigger than that is big enough for a mouse to get in. And here's what the enemy does. The enemy brings spiritual infestation into our life and he looks for the cracks and crevices in our life. That's what he does. He looks for the cracks and crevices in our life. That's the reason why we, we consider it both our responsibility, our challenge to pray over you, to take times like we do at Sunday night experience to pray over you and to anoint you with oil because here's what we wanna do. We wanna make sure that all of those spiritual cracks, that, that we're putting something in all those spiritual cracks, right, to protect you and then also to position you to be the man of God, the woman of God, to live out the blessing and the destiny that he has for you. Because the enemy is active, he's roaming. And here's what he uses. The first thing that the enemy will use is the enemy will use diversion. And there, there, there are some folks this morning, honestly, I'm thrilled that you're watching via live stream, but it's been a long time since you've been in God's house. And the busyness of life, the activity of life have kept you from being in God's house. And listen, I'm not commenting to put you on blast. But here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that when you're not connected with God's family, that you're missing out on so much. And the enemy's gonna throw all these things at you. If you've been around me for any amount of time, you've heard me say this, that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And, and what he'll do is he'll use all of, these, all, of these, all of these diversions, right? All of these distractions. He'll throw all of this stuff at you. Opportunities and challenges opportunities and challenges. And that's what he does. He'll bring, he'll bring diversion to try to pull you away. And, and he also, listen, he also uses significant deception. Here's what the enemy will do. The enemy will so work in your life so a relationship that is pivotal is marginalized and even destroyed. Because what will happen is the enemy will bring difficulty into your life. But what he'll do is he'll speak into your ear. He'll speak into the moment to, con to convince you that it's your son's fault, it's your daughter's fault. It's your husband's fault, it's your wife's fault. It's your boss's fault, it's your coworker's fault. He'll even try to convince you that it's your pastor's fault. Now, make no mistake, I am far from perfect. And it's not a question of, of, of if I will do something that will, that, that will irritate you, let you down. It's a question of when. But the enemy will push really hard to try to bring division as it relates to the important relationships in your life. And that's true in the context of family. It's true in the context of employment. And it's true in the context of spiritual family. Because this is a supernatural battle that we're involved in. 
And this is what he does. And, 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 then, and then what he'll do is this. He'll work with diversion. He'll work with this de- deception and he'll work with division. And the reason why he loves to work with division is he, he knows this. He knows, he knows that if he can divide, he can conquer. Oh, and one last thing on the issue of deception. I, 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 love, I love this from 2 Corinthians 11. It says this. It says that Satan himself, he transforms himself or he masquerades as an angel of light. He won't just attack our weaknesses. He'll attack our strengths. And what he'll do is he'll try to, he'll try to work in such a way. So, so this struggle that we're involved in, this spiritual struggle, it has serious implications. It has, it has serious implications. 1 John 5, 19 says this. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Jesus refers to Satan as the ruler of the world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 describes him as the God of this age who has blinded all who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ should shine on them. Ephesians 2, 2 calls him the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who, who is now at work in the sons of disobedient. Uh, Acts 26 gives us Paul's commission, and the commission that we're given is to open the eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. In Revelation chapter 9, Satan is, is, is described by the, the, the Hebrew word uh, Abaddon, a bad one, and by the Greek word Apollyon. And both words can be translated as destroyer. And that's what he does. He seeks to distract to disrupt, and ultimately to destroy. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So understanding the reality of this struggle, what do we do? Well, first of all, know this, we don't have to freak out. The reason why God's word goes into great detail to explain to us the presence of the enemy, the activity of the enemy, and the strength of the enemy is to where we are not unaware. Not to bring us to a place of panic. When you understand who Satan is and you understand the tactics of the evil one, it is so much easier to have victory in each and every one of the battles. And what God wants you to live your life as is not just a conqueror. He wants you to live your life as more than a conqueror. One of the mistakes that we make is this, is we tend to try to do this in our own strength. And the battle is lost. The enemy defeats us when we try to do this in our own strength. That's the reason why The Apostle Paul writes under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Because we cannot defeat the enemy on our own. Listen to me. I don't care how smart you are, you cannot defeat the enemy in your own strength. I don't care 
how much faith you have, you still, even though you have faith in God, you cannot defeat the enemy in your own strength. I don't care how long you've been in church. You cannot defeat the enemy in your own strength. Job could not defeat the enemy in his own strength. And Job was blameless and upright, profound character, unshakable faith in God. And yet the enemy was able to wreak havoc in Job's life. Make no mistake, friend, if you attempt to engage the enemy, if you attempt to do battle with the enemy, if you attempt to defeat the enemy in your own strength, you will lose. It's the reason why this thing called the anointing is so important. It's the reason why gathering together in God's house, being in his presence is so important. It's the reason why, and I don't want to overstate this, it's the reason why we do things like have this, this periodic Sunday night experience, Sunday night church, because we want you to walk in the anointing and the power of God. Because when you attempt to defeat the enemy in your own strength, in your own understanding, in your own logic, you will be defeated. However, God says this, everything you need for life and godliness, everything you need to be more than an overcomer, I have made available to you. So when we do this in his strength, when we do this in his wisdom, when we do this in according to his plan, what we'll find is this, is we will be victorious over and over and over again. See, Ephesians tells us this, is that when we put on the full armor of God, that we're able to take our stand against the devil's schemes. Against the devil's schemes. What are those schemes? Deception, diversion, division. That's what he does. Deception. He'll come to you, try to convince you that he's a good guy. He'll come to you and try to convince you that it's somebody else's fault. Because he wants to do, he wants to bring division. He'll come to you and go, hey, you don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Diversion. And what God does is he gives us his wisdom. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his heart. So we can stand and not fall victim to the devil's evil schemes. But when I try to do it in my own strength, I will fail every time. But if I choose to do it instead in God's strength, victory upon victory upon victory upon victory. Well, how do I, how do, I do that? What, is that? what does that look like? Well, it looks like stepping into the battle prepared. Stepping into the battle prepared. See, I'm, I should not be surprised when a Joseph Potiphar moment comes into my life. I shouldn't be surprised by the fiery furnace. I shouldn't be surprised by the, by the lion's den. I shouldn't be surprised by that. And I shouldn't be surprised by that because God goes to great lengths to explain the adversary to me. So here's, here's what I'm confident of. I'm confident that the enemy is going to try to attack my marriage this week. 
Now, it's foolishness on his part. But it doesn't mean he's not going to try. I know the enemy is going to try to attack my finance this week. He's going to try to attack my my family. He's going to try to attack my health. He's going to try to, he's going to look for any area of vulnerability and he's going to try to attack. You know why? Because that's what he does. Listen, if there are rats in your neighborhood and you have holes in your foundation, don't be surprised that you've got rats in your house. Hello? And so what I do is this. I anticipate this issue. I do my own, uh, I do my own pest prevention. And uh, um, I don't wait. I don't know how this works for you guys. I don't wait until I see bugs in my house to do something about bugs. Like I'm, 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 I'm passionate about this because I don't like bugs, okay? I'm a big sissy as it comes to bugs. I really am. Like the idea of a, the idea of like waking up in the middle of the night and having a spot, oh my goodness, like that. I can't even believe I just said that because now I'm gonna, I don't like it. Pastor Kevin was telling me, so they're, they're currently living in a rental. Pray, pray, pray that their house in Illinois sells. Uh, Because right now they're maintaining two households and living in a rental here. And he tells a story that uh, one of of their children comes walking out of the restroom and says, I think something fell on my head. And Kevin said, there's nothing on your head. You're fine. And then as the son turned, there was a big palmetto bug on his his back. (laughs) And he said, son, I don't want you to be frightened, but that's never good, right? When somebody says that, I don't want you to be frightened, but... (laughs) I don't should be frightened, but there's a giant cockroach on your back. Ah! Okay. I don't want that. Like, even here at somebody else's story, it makes me queasy. So, you know what I do? In anticipation, I know that I live in Florida. I know that there are bugs here. I treat the perimeter of my house. I don't just treat the perimeter of my house. I treat the entirety of my yard. I want to stop them at the curb. You know, judge me. You can judge me if you want, but come to my house. I defy you to find a bug in my house. Okay? And listen, I don't want to just do that with my physical house. I want to do that with my spiritual house. I want to stop the infestation at the curb. Far too often what we do is we wait until it's in the house. See, it's this issue of preparing ahead of time. That's the reason why it says this. It says to put on the full armor of God, right? And when we do that, having done all to stand, then stand. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God in anticipation of the battle that's going to come your way because it is going to come your way. And the enemy is going to attack you today. He's going to attack you this week. But what happens when we have an understanding that the battle is personal, when we have an understanding that the battle is substantial, when we have an understanding that the struggle is spiritual, when we realize that if we try to defeat the enemy in our own strength, that it's not going to work, but that when we stand in God's strength, that we're rightly prepared. 
And when we do this, when we do this preparation ahead of time, the battles don't freak us out. And while we don't go looking for them, we recognize when they come that this is yet another opportunity for God to prove himself strong and for God to do great and glorious things in our life. And so here's what God's word says. It says, having done everything to stand, stand firm then. Take your stand. Now, one last thing on this issue of take your stand. Oftentimes, oftentimes when people think of taking, taking your stand, they can, they can mistakenly believe this to be, okay, here's what I've got to do. That spiritual warfare is, in, is, is trench warfare. What I've got to do is I've got to dig in and I've got, to, I've got to take my stand and I have to hold my ground. But even in that context of Ephesians chapter 6, when it speaks about taking your stand, it's not talking about a defensive position. What it's talking about, it's talking about this. Not just take your stand, it's take your ground. So Satan, I want you to know this, that I'm here to be victorious, not just in the place that God has me in right now, but I'm here to be victorious in what God is bringing me into. What is the blessing? What is the, what is the favor? What is the breakthrough? What is the victory that God's wanting to bring you into? What is that that belongs to you? Because when the children of Israel, when they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, that land was already theirs. It had been promised to them years ago, decades ago, eons ago. It had been promised to them. They still had to deal with the giants in the land. They still had to face battle at Jericho. And if we're not careful, what we can do is this, is we can miss out on the promised land because we're confused about the battle. We can miss out on the land flowing with milk and honey because we think that we can accomplish victory in our own strength rather than walking in the anointing. And God says, I have called you to something far greater than your mind can conceive, than your eye can see. I've called you to a life that requires profound faith. And I want you to know that Understand this, the enemy also knows that and the enemy's gonna try to do, he's gonna try to bring division, diversion, deception into your life to keep you from walking in that victory, walking in that blessing, walking in that destiny. It is a personal thing. It's a substantial thing. It's a spiritual thing. You cannot do it in your own strength. But in his strength, if, if, if you're prepared for that which is in front of you and that which is coming tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. 
What God will do is he will take you from glory to glory to glory to glory. Come on, I want you to embrace your victory today. Let's stand. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.